1: When do you notice that the paper you're using is actually your skin? Adrift, with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
2: Hello! Hello! How's your week been? Uh, It's been alright, how about you? Up and
0: down, Annabelle, up and down. Uh... The, the worst thing that happened to me, and there have been a few low points this week, but the worst thing that happened to me was I went to do some work in Oxford. You know I do that show, Hometown Glory, for this Union Jet Radio. Mm. So I'd gone to Oxford to interview the, uh, the the sportscaster, Jim Rosenthal. Okay. Couldn't have been nicer. Really great. Anyway, um, what happened is I took the train to Oxford, and then they sent a taxi to pick me up from the the train station. And I get in, I sit in the front, because when I'm outside of London, I always sit in the front of a taxi. Do you? Yes.
2: What's your reasoning?
0: I think in London, it's kind of expected to sit in the back and it freaks them out a bit if you sit in the front. Yeah. But everywhere else, you seem like you're, you're like a bit oity-toity.
2: I didn't know that. I always go in the back.
0: I think so. I'm not talking about um, black taxi Cabs, You know, the the hackney carriage. I'm not yeah. talking about that, but I'm talking about just any other sort of car service, minicab as they call them here. Okay. Yeah, I think that that was certainly when I lived at home in, in uh, Manchester, that was what I always used to feel. People who sat in the back, it was like, mm. who do you think you are? Okay. I think you, you're better than you are. I love me, who do you love, as my mum would say. I love one of that. her favourite phrases. It's a very good phrase. Oh, I don't like him. He's very, I love me, who do you love?
2: And you, we all know exactly the kind <laughs> yeah, of person yeah, he's talking yeah. about. It sums it up so
0: beautifully. Yeah. Um, so I'm sitting up, up front with him. And let me tell you something. Yeah. I am vibing with him. Vibing. Vibing. Wow. He's got some Tupperware. And he's got some food in it that looks good. So I'm asking about the food and it turns out it's this Turkish food and he's Turkish and we're having a chat and so on and we're laughing. And I feel I've got a good connection with this guy. It's one of those days where every now and again Mm. my conversation is strong. Okay. He then starts telling me this story about something that had happened prior to me getting into the taxi where some guy had wanted him to uh, take him somewhere, but he couldn't because he was picking me up and then he felt bad for this guy and then he saw him going around the other taxis, but they didn't take cards, blah, blah, blah. It's some story about somebody that he felt sorry for. Mm -hmm. And he says, and you know, the, the thing is, That this was a good guy, he—I could just tell he was a good guy. You know, you can see it in people's faces. You can see in someone's face if they're a good good person or a bad person. Okay. So I then said, because we're getting on so well and I'm feeling confident. uh, Oh. oh. I said, Oh, what about me then? Do you think, like, just looking at my face, you think I'm a good person or a bad person? Yeah. And his face sort of completely changes, and he just does this weird shrug. No. So, so I say, you think I'm a bad person, don't you? From my face. And he goes, listen, I mean, some people might think you're a bad person, but I'm I'm sure you're not.
2: (laughs) Why? Did he say why? No.
0: So I've now become paranoid that in amongst everything else that I've got going on, I've got one of those faces where people think, Ooh, I want to give him a wide berth. He looks like a nasty piece of work. The
2: fact that he says some people is, it makes it sound like there's something universal that, that everyone knows yes. apart from us. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. What is it? I don't know. And I can't believe he didn't just lie and say, oh yeah, you're the one of the good guys. Who wouldn't say that? Yeah. yeah. You've been getting on with him. You were vibing with him. Yeah. Like,
0: How rude. Absolutely. Uh, And I couldn't, it wasn't even, because they booked it, Mm. it wasn't like I could give him a poor Uber rating or anything like that. I bet you
2: tipped in, didn't you? Of course.
1: (laughs) If you're insightful and aligned with this vision, you might be ready for the next phase. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Ports Adrift.
0: Annabelle's just reassured me that I don't, I don't, have an evil face that i don't have the face of an evil doer but you have told me in the past that there's something a bit creepy about my expressions
2: yeah well there's sometimes when you do certain faces (laughs) See, i think
0: (laughs) this is what i wanted to test so what i thought i was doing then was just sort of giving you a warm smile but you thought it was creepy
2: it was like 10% creep sorry
0: i also think i've got this thing whereby (laughs) if i see somebody and I, I in the street that I half recognise or whatever, and I, I smile at them. Hmm. I think what I think is I think the effort it takes to get my mouth into a smiling position hmm. is so much that I think what is a friendly half smile doesn't even register as an expression.
2: Can you try and do it yeah. for me now? Oh, uh,
0: it, it was like it's like a flicker of a smile. But I think I'm being friendly and smiling uh, at people. No,
2: that's more of a flicker. Yeah,
0: it's oh, not good, is it? Hmm something else to worry about yep. <laughs> yeah um how's uh, how's the uh, the post bag looking
2: well it's bulging of Good, course yeah, yeah. the first one is from grand duke andrew one birthday my wife treated me to dinner at don's le noir one of those restaurants where you eat in total darkness you select from meat fish veggie or surprise but other than that you have no idea what you're being served i was excited but guarded Not least because the website boasts that, as the restaurant is sharing tables only, they offer a brand new way to socialise. I'm not entirely comfortable with the existing (laughs) ways to (laughs) socialise. We arrived, checked in our phones and any other potential light-emitting devices and were led through the darkness to our table. The starter was, I later discovered, steak tartare. I wouldn't normally order a raw mince beef dish, but I suppose that's kind of the point and all part of the sensory experience. The main was amazing. I felt like I had never tasted anything so good. I'd enjoyed it so much, the sauce in particular, that when I'd finished, I realised I could take advantage of the situation and do something I'd never be able to do in a normal restaurant. I quietly picked up my plate and licked every inch of it clean. (laughs) The perfect crime. Who was ever going to know? As we were stepping back into the light, I noticed a small camera crew. It quickly transpired that, as part of a series on quirky dates on the Lorraine Kelly show, a couple (laughs) dining near us had been filmed throughout with infrared night vision cameras. I spent the next few weeks scanning through episodes of Lorraine, convinced my Uh... poor tail manners were going to be exposed to the nation. So far as I know, they never were. But as I never managed to find the feature at all, it's possible. That's incredible. Yeah, it's so humiliating, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that he thought, I can get away with this, I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> okay.
1: All right.
2: And this is from Darren who says he's a longtime listener since the Pete and Jeff days came wow. back a bit, isn't yes. it? This story happened just this week to my daughter. She'd never write into you, but I thought it was exactly the kind of thing you'd like to hear about. My daughter, I'm going to call her Natasha to keep her identity secret, is in her early 20s and is a complete introvert and socially awkward. Aren't we all? Despite this, she has recently started a course at a small London university, part of which involves two hours of life drawing on a Wednesday afternoon before she commutes home for the day. This week she described to me this story, something she called the most awkward moment of her entire life and I just had to share. The life drawing sessions involve just four all-female students, one teacher and the model. Although it's life drawing, the models are thankfully not entirely naked. Usually they stand, sit, lie in their underwear in various poses as directed by the teacher. Each week the model is a different person. On this particular week, the model was introduced as Jose, a 60-ish Spanish guy with long hair and a ponytail. As usual, the teacher explained to the model that they didn't need to be entirely naked and the students busied themselves getting their equipment ready. When they turned back, Jose was standing there naked, hands on hips. Awkward. Um, says the teacher, "Uh, we don't need you totally naked. Really? says Jose. I thought this was life drawing. Okay. He then proceeds to tie a scarf around his middle, which covers nothing. He is asked to adjust it and he moves it down slightly. It has little effect. An awkward hour ensues with Jose sitting and standing in various positions. The one where stood with one leg on a chair was particularly traumatic. Finally, he's asked to lie on the floor on a mat, but changes the instructions and lies with his rear facing the students and his bum in the air, everything on show. The teacher decides to end the session early and thanks Jose for his time. It's over. Natasha and her friend head for the tube to go home. They get on the train and sit down. Guess who jumps on and stands right next to them? <laughs> Natasha is feeling pretty awkward, but it's only two stops. Then she changes trains. I hope it's not going to change the same train as me, she whispers to her friend. As she gets off. So does Jose. He's not following her, to be clear, just heading in the same direction. He doesn't even seem to realise she is one of the students who until recently have been drawing him. Now it's about six stops before another change. They end up sitting three seats apart. OK, awkward, but it's OK. I can manage, thinks Natasha. They arrive at Oxford Circus and Natasha gets off so does Jose and it's clear he's doing the same change as her again they reach the next line but he goes off down the platform a little way and so surely will be on the next carriage good the train arrives it's now rush hour and it's rammed Natasha squeezes on only two stops so not too bad just the doors are about to close guess who squeezes on Jose it's Jose (laughs) he squashes up to Natasha a good foot taller than her and they're stuck together facing each other the doors close She looks up, he looks down and their eyes meet. Horror, recognition and realisation all at once grips them both. They can't move, they're jammed in. Jose looks one way, Natasha the other. They have to endure two stops at the most awkward close proximity before finally Natasha gets off. And Jose doesn't. The worst moment of her life is over. Oh, Jose. Jose. <laughs> Jose and his scarf. I love
0: that they're really cramped together in the way of dealing with it as each looking in an opposite direction. <laughs> I know.
1: It's so human. Oh. Uh,
0: please share your story with us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com.
1: Now that you're listening, it's happening. Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
0: It's that part of the podcast where we discover another way in which Annabelle isn't a fully functioning adult.
2: Part 37 Pathetic Anthropomorphizing. This is something I touched on a while back, which I only remember, as we said, anthropomorphizing wrong. I think I said it wrong just then as well. (laughs) It's quite hard to say. Anthropomorphizing. I won't be
0: attempting it. I
2: won't be saying it again. That's the end of that. But I'd spoken, this is a while ago, maybe a year ago, I'd spoken about how my boyfriend had illegally dumped our Christmas tree in the street. And I'd had to pretend I didn't know it every time I walked past it. And I felt really awful. Yes. And two similar incidents happened to me in this past week. The first is when I took our car in for its MOT. So I dropped it off and then I tried to kill time on an industrial estate, which is kind of hard. Like I managed 20 minutes in a and q and bought some bath silicone sealant, which I'll never use. And then I was just wandering around in the drizzle. And at one point I went past the MOT centre and I saw my car being worked on. And it was on one of those heavy duty car lists right up in the air. I looked at the car and I thought, oh, no, he's nervous. <laughs> it didn't occur to me to project that he was feeling excited and going, wee like, I think I was just thinking well, how I would feel up there. And I thought he looked scared. And I said to myself, oh, God, are you all right, mate? Mate? I don't call anyone mate. I certainly didn't know I called the car mate. <laughs> then when the car failed its MOT, I had to leave it there overnight. And as I left, I said to myself, all right, mate, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Pathetic.
0: And I said, mate again. Mate, I
2: know. I didn't. I had did no idea that I called the car mate, but clearly I do. The second was when we decided to get rid of the bed in the spare room. So there's space to turn the spare room into an office because Tom works from home a lot. And I was very keen to do this, so I don't have to accommodate any unwanted overnight guests ever again. <laughs> Although we are getting a sofa bed. But a sofa bed with a 12-week delivery period, so <laughs> it's 12 weeks. Anyway, Tom put the bed and the mattress on some online marketplace thing. For free, and a few hours later, somebody was coming round to pick it up. And right beforehand, I discovered a previously hidden sentimentality for the bed. It's just this cheap pine frame from Argos, but my sister had passed it on to me 16 years ago. So suddenly, it was the closest we have to a family heirloom. <laughs> and the person that picked it up was perfectly nice, like nothing to indicate anything untoward about them. But all that night, I lay awake panicking that he was a sex trafficker and the bed had been taken to some damp, infested, bleak room of misery where terrible things were going to happen. And the bed would be sitting there thinking, what happened? What what did I do wrong? I thought I was part of the family. Did I start creaking? I I didn't mean to creak. If she'd just have said, I could have tried to stop creaking. I'm so cold and damp and lonely I could hear someone crying. Maybe she'll come back. <gasps> Hannah Bell. <laughs> oh, she's not coming. Then I remembered how cold and damp that spare bedroom we have is. And there's a lot of crying in my house too. I realised the bed probably didn't even notice. And I went to sleep.
1: Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port and a show called Adrift.
2: Oh, and here's the thing. Mm. So, so then
0: they, they got me a taxi back from the radio station to the train station. Okay. Unfortunately, it was a different driver.
2: We're going back to Oxford, are we? Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So again, I sat up the front. Right, okay, okay. I can't believe you've never given this any thought. I
2: just didn't think it was a thing. Well, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm I, thought, now... I thought you only did it if you are really drunk. <laughs> I, didn't think it was a, <laughs> I didn't think it was a sober thing, a polite thing.
0: Well, I... I maybe maybe the drifters can help out on this i'd one. love
2: to know yeah so
0: this is my perception if you get in any kind of taxi on your own mm. and you're not in london mm. you know it's not a uh, and it's not the the traditional hackney carriage black taxi where it's sort of difficult to sit in the front but if it's just a normal car being mm. used as a taxi if you're on your own i think I think I use the word hoity-toity or uppity or you've got ideas above your station or you think you're little Lord Falteroy or something.
2: Would you do it if it was a female driver? It's a good question. I think so, yeah. Okay, okay.
0: Why do you think that makes it creepy? <laughs> I'm
2: not calling you creepy again, no.
0: <laughs> anyway, look, look, if maybe we can hear if I'm right on that. Mm, I yeah, want to know, okay. yeah. Uh, hello at adriftpodcast.com. I seem to remember having this conversation with James Ward some years ago of uh, the the Boring Conference and the Boring Talks podcasts and uh, Fine Fellow. And he was very much of the same mind. But okay, anyway, okay. anyway. So I'm in this other taxi mm. and I get some polos out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. And I offer the driver a polo. And he says, oh, yes, please. And then he takes a polo, but there's something in, you know when you're ripping the wrapper and mm-hmm. it opens, it, it, it takes you by surprise and then the polo falls out. Yeah. So the polo falls down, yeah. kind of into his lap th- through his legs. Yeah. And I then see him fumbling to retrieve this polo mm. and he's a bit embarrassed, but he can't get at it. <laughs> but he's embarrassed that he can't get at it. So what I see him do, even <laughs> though I can see the polo like, under his leg, I see him pretend <laughs> to put
2: the polo in his <laughs> <laughs> that's <was> so amazing <laughs> and then you pretend to eat it for yeah. like a few minutes yeah. that's yeah. the sweetest thing it's so nice that's isn't so it? nice yeah yeah.
0: Um, quick plug for Patreon while we're here listen oh, I'm up to date with all the titles oh that's, that's yeah. Good, yeah. good
2: news so um, if you haven't got a title there's been some administrative error and please do contact me and if you'd like one, then just support us on Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Every
0: new supporter gets a title.
2: Got plenty left.
0: Yeah. Um, hello at Adrift. No, that's the email address. Mm-hmm. That's for contacting Annabelle if there's been a uh, an administrative <laughs> error. Yeah. But if you want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com stroke adrift. And we just want to be clear, your, your lover here is having some... People don't need to be worried. Right. There's nothing sinister going on, Mm-mm. but the, there's a medical reason we can't make our video for a little while, isn't for there? For a month,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> just what people must be thinking at that.
2: Right. We could just say, no, let's leave it like that. It's the intrigue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Anna, for, for nothing sinister. For medical reasons,
0: mm-hmm. Annabelle's lover, Tom, is unable to operate a camera for one month.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: great. <laughs> Uh, and we should we should do a little competition Hmm. that if anybody can work out why that might be you'd never be able to guess if we got a correct answer then they could win a prize you wouldn't be able to guess yeah Um, well let's see let's see if we get anything Mm. on that Mm. hello at adriftpodcast.com or support us on (laughs) Patreon patreon.com stroke adrift
1: Drift, sound effects. Jeff Lloyd, Annabelle Point. Noises. How were your
0: um, Halloween bonfire night celebrations?
2: Uh, did not celebrate this year.
0: Oh really? Yeah, taking, I tried taking a little me. stand against them.
2: I did buy some chocolate buttons in case anyone came round, but then I didn't put a pumpkin out so that I could eat them all myself. It's a good system. Yes, great the, the system. The pumpkin
0: system is a good system. Yeah. We were invited. By some of the other parents, and when I say we, I mean everyone in my son's nursery class was invited to a Halloween party. Oh, nice! Uh, at this little kid's house, and we went long, and they'd made such an effort. Firstly, like their front room, it was like being in a nightclub. They got flashing lights, and they'd done a Halloween playlist, and it was wow. really top-notch pro stuff. And the buffet was unbelievable.
2: Really? Wow. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, it was, it was good from that point of view, but I just. Cannot get out of first gear conversationally with anybody, right? That I don't already know.
2: So you were very stuck in. Oh, so how long has yours been at this nursery type conversation? Yeah, but I could
0: also. But also, I think when I was talking about that other kids' party the other week, I, I was saying this. I could see what was happening is other people mm. who didn't know each other very well were having these conversations, and then. They were clicking and, you know, they, they, then they were off. They were flying. The conversational ball was in the air. Mm. But with me, I'm so bad at it that nobody wants to play and I end up sort of in a corner on my own throwing the conversational ball against the wall <laughs> and catching it and stretching the metaphor there. Mm-hmm. But so so what I thought, I'd, cause Sarah says, you you just need to give up talking to the other dads because it's not your strength. Also, here's something I've noticed about, I, I, I don't like to do things around, Male female stereotypes. Mm. But here's something I've noticed. Mm. Men at these things love to stand up. Oh, right. And the women like to sit down. Yes. Why is that? I don't know. But I don't like to stand up. Fight or flight, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's something in it. I don't know, but I don't so they're all sort of standing around no. talking about whatever men talk about right. like I'm not one of them. Football. But I don't I don't want to stand.
2: No, like when I sit down. Exactly.
0: Standing is what you do when there's nowhere to sit. (laughs) So you don't get on a bus or a train and think, I'm going to have a nice stand. You look for a seat and then you're like, oh God, there's nowhere to sit. I'm going to have to stand. Mm. standing is the worst of the two options yeah always so so then so i sit cross-legged on the floor and this one my strategy is to sit as close to my wife as possible Mm. she's very charismatic and even though we hadn't had success at this kid's birthday party recently she decided there were a couple of the mums from nursery who she was really going to turn on the charm and it was quite something to watch because it was it was like she was turning on a tractor beam she was very impressive okay but then as soon as she had to get up to go to the loo or go to the buffet or something oh. it was like all the room was all the life was sucked out of the room by me oh. and and i just felt like i was sitting cross legged on a floor <laughs> and and everybody else just sort of angled their bodies in such a way that i was excluded so i'm just sort of sitting there on the floor staring in the into the middle distance and hoping that she'll just come back from the buffet this is- or that my son won't mix with the other kids very well, so that he'll come and talk oh, to me instead. Do you want him to come and talk? Are you
2: okay, <laughs> laddie? <laughs> oh, Jeff. Oh, so
0: there was that. Um, oh, I've got. No, I'll leave that. I just thought about telling a story that somebody told me about my hometown of Macclesfield, but it's too. Uh, it's, it's too obscene in a certain way.
2: Oh, okay, all right. So then. I'll leave okay, that. Leave one that. Out. Okay. So anyway, F- so thank that, you for self censoring. That was Halloween, <laughs> right?
0: And then. Uh, uh bonfire night we w- we go to the fireworks in the local park okay and uh, a couple of the pa- two, two pairs two two couples parents of Jean's friends mm-hmm. were going to come round here first now these were people we did the pre birth Sort of baby preparation group with which you'll remember I was dragged along oh, yeah. un- unwillingly too, mm. really. Mm, mm, mm. But over time, these have become people. In as much as I can be comfortable with anybody, mm. they've been pe- people I've become comfortable with and like, and sort of consider friends. Right. So I think it's bonfire night. So which we, sh- we should do we should have a little, we should have a little spread on for when people come round before we then leave to go to the go to the park. Nice. Which I uh which which I start thinking about. Sarah says, Well why don't I just make uh why don't I just make some dips?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's not that's not festive enough for bonfire night. Oh, so what you need are you bonfire, something involving baked potatoes
2: is uh, what I'm Okay, thinking. yeah, something wrapped in tin foil. So, yeah. so
0: I hit on the idea of making baked potatoes yeah. and then have a selection of things like baked beans and cheese and sour cream that people can put on the baked potatoes if they want to. Okay. Right? And then I get even more ambitious. Think <laughs> what what do I think of the uh, what do I think as being bonfire night food from my youth? And I think sticky sausages for some reason. Okay. And I'm vegetarian, but I think, why don't I just buy some veggie sausages hmm. and make them sticky?
2: Do you know how to make them sticky? I
0: Googled it. Okay, good, good. Turns out it's honey and mustard. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so then I become obsessive about making the perfect baked potato. Right. And I Google perfect baked potato. I, get, I end up on a Nigel Slater article about how to make the perfect baked potato I, I get so into it that i go and source the exact strain of potato <laughs> that he mentions right. and he says ideally they should be uh, about 350 grams each oh, no, you're so weighing i'm them. weighing individual potatoes to make sure that everybody gets the perfect potato okay he says an hour 45 minutes if there's more than that but an hour for for a, a baked potato is is about right so i put them in um an hour before the people are due to arrive, mm-hmm. thinking I might end up leaving them in longer mm-hmm. because they'll be a bit of mingling when they arrive and take the coats and shoes off and stuff. Right, <laughs> right. I thought it all out. Yeah, you have. So everyone sits down. I mentioned the baked potatoes. My friend Anthony says, oh, I'm so excited you're making baked potatoes. This is great. I was hoping you would on the way here because it's so bonfire nighty. So I open the oven up. Yeah. I get the potatoes out. Yeah. I mean, it's like they haven't been in the oven. They're rock hard.
2: No, it's
0: just awful.
2: No, this is terrible. Yeah. So what do you do? Well, had you turned the oven on? Yes, I don't what? know what had happened. Nigel Slater, what
0: happened? So I'd been on Reddit, so I thought. Is there an issue here? Hmm. So I'm what I'm making is uh, is six baked potatoes. Yeah, because there are six. Do I need to leave them longer? Oh, and this Reddit thread said no, absolutely not, and gave a very scientific reason why I wouldn't need to. So I don't know what happened. I don't to this day. (laughs) To this day, four days later, I don't know what happened. But I'd gone from being this hero. And planning the perfect bonfire oh and by the way the veggie sausages were t- awful oh they, like they didn't lend themselves to being in an oven and, and glazed in the way that a, right. a, a, a meat sausage might yeah, do and yeah. they just tasted horrible Sarah had made this horrible cake as well oh <laughs> But by the the horrible cake was far less horrible than things I'd made, so I think people were relieved by the time that came out okay. but the baked potatoes were so terrible. I don't I'm still like I'm going over it in my mind I followed every step so precisely. <sighs> it's a baked potato. what is easier to make than a baked potato? It's so easy I, I cannot think where you went wrong. And and then everyone was doing that thing where they were politely pretending that, no, no, they're fine, really. And I could see them really mashing down oh. on the potato with a forks, to try and soften it up a bit. It was terrible. I'm telling you, if if I was from, I don't know which countries, but I'm sure there are certain cultures where if I had dishonoured my family <laughs> by serving up a meal like that, I would be expected to take my own life or go <laughs> into the wilderness or something like that. I mean, it was just, I've brought shame on our family.
2: Had you pierced the potato? yes. Oh, this is
0: a very puzzling. Well, yet again, we find ourselves in a position on the podcast where I can say, "What happened? Well, any I, any well, thoughts what on what I, I did wrong?" wrong? <laughs> Hello uh, to DriftPodcast dot com. Can I just say something mm. in the spirit of self awareness? Yeah, I think that might have been a very boring story.
2: <laughs> no, because we're all thinking, "What did you do wrong?" <laughs> no, I
0: think that you've been very kind. I think did, you're being a, you as kind wrong? about that story as the people were about the potatoes mm. when they came round
1: um happy birthday for all of you who, who aren't listening and those of you who are you're in on the joke great good work jeff lloyd and annabelle port a thank you
0: i just want to say something before we uh, before we move on mm. which is i think that story there that i just told mm. that is proof Of why people don't want to talk to me at these parties. (laughs) I think what I've done is just shown off how poor my conversational skills are.
2: You might have found the answer at one of those parties. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I've had far worse conversations at the parties, let me tell you. At least there was a puzzler within it, it was good. (laughs)
0: Why did I think that was an appropriate topic of conversation? No, for this the question podcast? is
2: why didn't those potatoes cook? I know. <laughs> it's really bugging me.
0: Like there was a lot of unnecessary detail about who was coming round for the potatoes. I
2: think it was something to do, I think there was something wrong with the potatoes. Maybe they were too old. Now that, yeah, there's, yeah. Mm, anyway. Let's move on. Gave him a good good scrub. (laughs) Uh, That that shouldn't make But you know, left some bits
0: of dirt in the eyes, like Nigel Slater said, then rolled them in salt. In case you're wondering, Annabelle asked if the the oven was preheated to the right temperature. Mm. Yes, it was.
2: And there was nothing else in the oven? Like you hadn't left a baking No. Yeah, okay. The grill pan? No. Okay. Just don't know.
0: That's mysterious, isn't it? All right. Uh, Anyway, um, sorry about that. Sorry about that anecdote. To apologize. Some weeks you have less than others. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> so, uh, so, on to Quadri Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. And uh, who's, who's the first one from?
2: Okay, this is from Andrew Milton Keynes. I'd like to say that I don't condone his actions, but he does finish with a very interesting question. Okay. Many years ago, I had a problem, which I would have liked your advice about, whether I took the best course of action or not. I once went out with a girl for about 18 months. She was attractive. However, she had this one small flaw. She was extremely paranoid. She would always accuse me of looking at other women as we were walking down the street, asking if they were more pretty than she was. She would buy magazines and then deface with Tipex any photos of women who had their cleavages on show. She said that all women between the ages of 16 and 60 were a threat to her. She tried to keep this quiet at the beginning of the relationship, but as the months went on, she got gradually worse. I had to stop seeing my friends and was spending all my time with her. This was at the time that the film Basic Instinct had just come out, and I was scared of what she would do to me if I broke up with her. I wasn't really keen on rabbit pie, so I came up with a cunning plan. My mother lived in Spain at the time and I decided to go there for a three-week holiday. However, I told the girlfriend that I had been offered and accepted a job out there and I would be (laughs) staying for at least two years. After some tears and an emotional farewell, she saw me off at the airport I spent a lovely three weeks basking in the sunshine finally being free of what I could and couldn't do however a lot of the time was spent buying about 20 postcards and writing a fictitious account that Hollywood would have been proud of things like that I'd missed her but I was getting on with my life and the new job was hard work (laughs) etc etc but then following up later with I had found someone else but I would never forget her and so on
0: oh I can see where I think I can see where this is going
2: I bought a load of stamps which cost me a small fortune. Fortune and asked my mother to post them regularly every week on a Monday yeah. and to make sure that the cards were sent out in a specific order. I flew back to the UK free from her, started seeing my friends again, went back to my old job and for about eight weeks everything was great. Then everything went wrong. The girlfriend worked about half a mile from where I was working. Mm. However, in the past, never came to my old place of work. On this occasion, she decided to walk past and looking through the office window and saw me standing there. She came in and demanded what was going on. I said to her I would meet her after work (laughs) and explain things. I stated that I decided to come back to the UK as my old firm desperately needed me. They weren't that desperate. She stated that she had just received a postcard from me saying that I was starting seeing somebody else. I replied that, yes, that was the case, but I had to break it off. She then replied that she had started seeing someone. I pretended I was disappointed, but wished her well. However, secretly, I was overjoyed that I passed the problem on to someone else. (laughs) I also had to phone my mum and tell her to stop sending the postcards back (laughs) and to destroy them. (laughs) (laughs) So, Annabelle and Jeff, what is the correct course of action when you are scared of breaking up with someone? So is there a rule here? Is there a social um, rule? Because obviously we're not allowed to ghost, are we, when you just don't... At least he didn't ghost her. Like he was sending... Mm. Having postcards sent every week. For me, that is one step up from like Most of the people have broken up with me. Yeah, it
0: was. it was thoughtful in a way. Yeah. Because he let her down very... Well, the plan was to let her down very gently over a... A period of weeks and months, yeah. whilst I suppose she still thought she was in a relate. Okay, it wasn't great. It I lo- wasn't
2: and I great. love it that she only like lived half. I assume that she must yeah, have lived quite yeah. a long
0: way. Away. Well, this this is your flaw. Mm. I think you know, if you live in London and or a big city, and they're from another part of the city, you're still running a risk. Yeah, but if you live somewhere where everybody's in a pretty small radius. Mm-mm.
2: And you couldn't get away with it now because if we're going back to the time of basic instinct, this is before cheap flights, wasn't it? So now you'd be flying out every other weekend, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you? So you could. It's. it's Although
0: there's flight shame now. Oh yeah, that's the environment, especially with short haul flights. Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, so. I mean, this is a big question. I, I feel that we, we, it's it's a lot bigger than what we usually deal with. In, and, I,
2: and I feel very unqualified to answer In the it. GLAP clinic in mm.
0: Quandary Corner. Like mm. How to end a relationship is what you're asking.
2: Yeah, what are the social rules on this? I just don't think we can answer it, can we? It does feel a bit big. I mean, in some
0: ways, I think just stay in the relationship to avoid... Being- <laughs> No matter just, how just just accept problematic life. It is, isn't yeah. always
2: as great as you think it's going to be, and just get on with it. Exactly,
0: I do, I do think that to a, to a large extent. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think it can be comforting being in a rut. Mm-hmm. Very high sides. Yeah, cozy, cozy to be in a rut. So and the effort really mm, of, of like having to meet a new person. Like imagine you know having to impress somebody enough that they would consider giving themselves romantically to you. Mm. I think just s- stay in the relationship, find outside interests.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave that there and move okay. on to the next one because really we, we don't know the answer. Yeah. Okay, so this one says, people who randomly stop when walking in front of you without checking if it's safe to do so cause me to do some fantastic avoidance jig. Mm. Do I let these people know my dismay? It is so annoying when someone does that. So annoying. But are you allowed to express dismay or not?
0: I think, I mean, it's, it's quite an aggressive thing to do. Mm-hmm. express dismay you mean yeah in Mm. as much as that perhaps you're going to prompt a reaction Mm. so I think the key is because I I think I've been on the receiving end not of this particular thing but you know I I think I don't always move around the world in the the best way and I will infuriate people because (laughs) I'm a clumsy guy but you know if somebody goes I'll go oh I'm so sorry and then you have to accept that apology. Absolutely. If you're not gracious in the way you accept the apology, mm-hmm. uh, apology you're a terrible person. Is it okay? Um, I think sort of passive aggressively. Is there a way of doing it passive aggressively? So I was in a queue yesterday, for example, to, to, uh, to uh, buy a Vada Pau with my three year we were at an event, a Diwali event in okay. Trafalgar Square and it was crowds and crowds of people and there was a food stall and I was queuing up to buy this thing that I love. And my son, who's three, wasn't really interested and, and he was being good just by being with me. But, you know, I'm toddler wrangling and somebody this this woman used that as a as a way of pushing ahead of me in the queue. Right. So then, as Jean was getting frustrated, Mm. I was able to say, look, I'm sorry you're getting frustrated, uh, and we would have been at the front by now, but people keep pushing in.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So if you've got maybe a a small child or an animal, Mm -mm. a puppet that you could use to passive-aggressively vent your... Frustrations. Yeah, as
2: long as you're not saying directly at the person, I think you can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Does that answer that question? I think so. Ish. Um, send us your quandary, please.
0: It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Well, that was our podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening to it. Do we still ever ask people to rate and review it?
2: No, we should do. Yeah,
0: I'm sure that makes some kind of difference to other people being able to find the podcast. It does. So, uh, I mean, providing you rate it well... Five stars and write something nice. Yeah, obviously. Don't give it three stars and say, no. I wouldn't bother. No,
2: no, no. no.
0: That, that would be unproductive mm. for us. Uh, but anyway, you mentioned that. I hear other podcasts doing it, so we might as well. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Uh, Vince, Lince, Vince, Vince Lynch. Vince Lynch. Vince Lynch. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our little idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Carla Gallett took the photos. Kim Rainey made the artwork. And we'd like to dedicate this week's episode to the memory of Annabelle's spare bed.
1: <laughs> Adrift. Adrift.
0: Okay, ready for a podication? Yep. Just going to uh, move the mouse over to Google Chrome and go into my email where you forwarded me this from Victoria Quelo, who says, happy birthday to my boyfriend, Jorge, who's, <laughs> is it
2: pronounced Jorge? She just, just right, George. George, so, do yeah. you make your pardon? Mm.
0: Whose birthday is on the 4th of November. Love, Vicky. Thank God I found one as socially awkward as me before uh, dating required the use of Tinder.
2: They'll stick together, won't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Cling, like we were talking to before, yeah. cling onto each other in that raft, uh, in that rut. Mm. I was thinking about being on a life raft, but I don't <laughs> know if that's quite the right analogy. Happy birthday, George. Happy birthday. Um, and then this from Matt Wood, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. I'm apologising now for make either of you cry. That's not my intention. Now, this is interesting because mm. I wonder if, him saying, suggesting that this might make me cry Mm -mm. means I won't, in fact, cry. Mm. Let's see. Mm. So here I go. I would like to ask for a podication for the foster carer of our two boys. I know this is probably going to get me already. (laughs) Um, I'm currently writing this, the final night of bridging, which is an intensive nine-day period where we spend our time getting used to each other, first at the foster carer's house and then at ours. Before the two boys were in the process of adopting.
2: Oh, he's gone. Oh.
0: You're going to have to read this. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have my glasses on. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. This is. Uh, it's not gonna I'm going to
2: bring it up on my own computer because that's quite some distance I'm reading it from. <laughs> okay. Give me two seconds. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. Right. Before the two boys were in the process of adopting, come to their forever home with us, their new mummy and daddy. We decided to adopt after 10 years of trying and failing to conceive and decided instead of IVF, we could adopt as there are so many children in need of a loving family. Through the bridging process, it's become quite clear the boys are now coming to us for hugs and comfort instead of the foster carer. And that's what is supposed to happen. However, through all the training and meetings in our nearly two-year process, no one told us how utterly heartbreaking it is to see it from the foster care side. For example, a silly thing like giving us the rest of the yogurts the boys like, as they'll have no need for them once they're gone. All week, the boys' things have been coming home with us a bit at a time, and each day it's clearly starting to get difficult for her. Today, we gave presents to them from us, and the boys, as tomorrow, will be upsetting enough without presents too. So... I'd like to dedicate this to them because they've set strong roots to our new family tree, taught them kindness, how to be loved and looked after without exception and for that we're truly grateful and amazed they choose to do this incredibly tough thing for so many children and families. So in summary, although I know she'll never hear this, I want to say thank you. You changed our boys' lives for the better and we're truly honoured to carry on making these boys feel loved and safe sorry again if this made you cry as i've had to stop several times whilst writing this to blow my nose and wipe away my tears many thanks matt new dad to two little amazing boys
0: oh god that's intense not for you as it turns out well i would already read it yeah yeah Yeah. what an incredible thing those people do and oh i can't i mean whatever i was going to say i can't i can't okay. talk on this subject i'm sorry okay <laughs> okay uh there we, matt uh thanks for sending that in that's uh just joyous to hear that that is uh that's happening for you that you've got these two boys and that's just a wonderful thing that they've found you too and um
2: it's lovely, and I hope it's all going well, exactly. which I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that is a, such a special thing that those people do. I know. Caras, it's an yeah, amazing caras. thing to do, yeah. And, uh, and George, happy birthday from Victoria Quelo. And if you'd like a, uh, a podication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey y'all Darius Rucker here you know
2: a lot of people ask me what inspires your music